Welcome. This is Karen Modakaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet. My friends, how is your inspiration and possibility doing? I'm bringing you some ray of sunshine today as I'm going to talk about overcoming resistance. But before that, I want to talk about a find that I had that has been so wonderful. for me. And so I want to share it with all of you. So I was going through kind of, you know, the different platforms where we have television and I came across a show that I used to watch. Holy moly, a long time ago, over 20 years ago. And I didn't know that they did a reboot of it back in 2019. I had no idea. And I was going through Amazon prime and I came across the show Mad About You. And so if you remember, it was with Helen Hunt and I can't remember the actor's name, but it was a couple, New York City. And I believe, and I I can't remember movies or TV shows for the life of me of what happened, but I do believe that the season was ending or the series was ending when they brought the baby home. They had a baby, they brought her home and then it ended or soon thereafter. Well, it's now been rebooted as their baby is being launched into college and they have become empty nesters. I've only watched a few episodes, but for those of you who are mothers of teenage daughters, (laughs) highly, highly, highly recommend watching it. It was so reassuring, especially for somebody like me who used to compare my life to Carol Brady from the Brady Bunch of how clean my house needed to be or the blending of a family. The mad about you, I'm like, holy moly, that's exactly what happens in my house. There's, um, you know, the eye rolling with you, like, oh, come on, parents, really? I need to take a picture, really? And all of that. But there was this great scene, they were at dinner, and the mom was talking to the daughter. And the daughter says, okay, okay, just stop yelling at me. (laughs) So if you've ever been in that scenario with your teenage child, (laughs) where you're talking, and they're saying you're yelling, you may like this. I personally like this show. There's another show out there that my family's been watching called Schitt's Creek. And I tried it a long time ago, didn't like it. And then we as a family started watching it and still don't really like it. And I get a lot of stress because I'm like, why are they doing this? But everybody keeps saying, keep watching, it gets better. And I was talking to a former athlete of mine who lives in Australia and he was laughing that I said, it gives me stress because it's not the show that gives me stress. It's my thinking that, why are you doing that? Don't go that way. And so I'm arguing with the reality of a television show and my stress is coming up. So, <laughs> But mad about you, for those of you who are parenting and going through the struggles of, you know, parenting teens, young adults, and who are trying to have their own identity and where it's so easy to take it personally into your own parenting, highly, highly, highly recommend that. All right, you all. We're going to talk about overcoming resistance. This is a huge topic. And actually, there's a very simple solution, but we have resistance. It's part of our way to make sure that we stay safe, you know, to maybe for you to be more prepared, though some of you over prepare. 
I have clients who may be listening to this who are very good at over-preparing, especially when they are nervous or anxious about doing something at work or performing or putting together a presentation or a proposal. But we all have resistance and there is a way to overcome it. And so I'm going to talk about that. And my goal for you is that when you have resistance and you notice it and it's going to come up and you're going to have stress or anxiety or frustration or overwhelm, you'll be able to drop down into calm and then to be able to overcome the resistance that you have. That's my goal for you. And I'm going to talk about how you can do that. So the first things first is we all have resistance and maybe doing work isn't your resistance. Maybe it's about going to work out. Maybe it's about doing, well, we're in COVID, so there's not a whole lot of social gatherings, but maybe it's about doing social gatherings, whatever that arena is for you that you're like, Ooh, yeah, I don't want to do that. Just notice that. And remember, you're not the only one. One of the things that our brain does is it tricks us and says, makes you think you're the only one that's going through this and you're not. And so realizing we all have resistance, we just may have it in different arenas and know what your arenas are and know that you're not the only one and that there is a way to overcome it. If you would like, there's some resistances that maybe you're not as interested in overcoming. I have a resistance to hanging picture frames and stuff on the wall. That's not a resistance. I'm interested in spending any energy in overcoming and I've had my handyman come and hang stuff for me. And I'm fine with that. So knowing what the resistance is and that you want to overcome the work that I'm talking about is if it's in your own self-care, if it's in your own, like, Hey, I want to go work out. And I have this resistance of going and doing it, or maybe going to sleep at night or, you know, doing work that you want to do. And it's going to be hard and it can be overwhelming because you've got this big plan and you're spinning because there's so much resistance and it's overwhelming. You're not sleeping and you're not quite sure where to go. That's the kind of stuff that I'm talking about with resistance. Or it can even be like as simple as we're coming up upon tax season and you're like, oh, I just don't want to do it. Well, there's a deadline and there's severe consequences, or at least I believe there's severe consequences. I don't want to pay anything extra. So I don't want to do penalties and so forth. So I get it done because I don't want it to hang around. So, or maybe you have to prepare for meaning or you're going to have a, you're going to do feedback with your, your team, the team that you're managing and you have resistance and you don't want to do it. So this is for you. This episode today is for you. One, you're not alone. We all have resistance. Two is when you realize, okay, you're not alone. That's part of compassion. And one of the attributes of compassion is common humanity. You're not the only one. Okay. And you're not beating yourself up. You're not judging yourself. You're like, this is the resistance and I'm not the only one. I want you to be able to drop down into calm so that you can move through this and overcome it. Then the next thing to do is really to have empathy with yourself and to be able to check in, like, what is the story you're telling yourself? What's your story about this? So whether it's, you know, doing your taxes, like, oh, I don't want to do taxes. I hate taxes. I'm not good with numbers. Like, okay, that may all be true. Are you willing to not do your taxes and deal with the consequences of it? Right? Those are the things for you to check in with. But often the stories that we tell ourselves and they're really simple stories is I can't do it. It's too overwhelming. I'm not good enough. I don't know where to start. I just want to do nothing. Or here's one. 
I want too much. And maybe I should just, and I had a client say this to me this week. He just said, you know, maybe I shouldn't pursue that. And I should just do, you know, keep it a simple life and, and it'll be okay. Right. Because the bigger project was overwhelming and there was resistance to it because he couldn't see the whole path. So pay attention to these stories. I can't do it. Really? Is that true? When it's overwhelming, what's the next step? You don't have to see the whole staircase, as Martin Luther King says. You just need to see the next step. Take the first step and then continue on the path, right? The I'm not good enough. I mean, I talk about that a lot here. That's part of the resistance. It like almost goes hand in hand. It's like, oh, I'm not good enough. So yes, let me play small in my life. Let me not have what I want. But whether it's taxes or is that the relationship you want to have with yourself where you don't go after what you want? The cost is to you. In taxes, you may get penalties and fines, but when you believe you're not good enough and you don't attempt to pursue, to create, to do what it is that you want, what's the cost to you? It may not come in the terms of a a final or penalty, but it chips away at your own confidence, your own worthiness in yourself, because then you have now evidence that, see, I wasn't good enough, but you didn't go out there and try to overcome that resistance. There's that, I just don't know where to start. Okay. And it's so interesting because with clients, they'll say, I don't know where to start. I don't know where to start. And so then I'll say, okay, so tell me what you would do. And all of a sudden in 30 seconds, it's like, boom, 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 boom. And this literally happened this week. I had a client, he told me his year long plan. I was like, okay, in three months, we would get this done. In six months, this would be done. In 12 months, this would be done. Right? So pay attention. Often these stories we tell ourselves are a way to put up a roadblock so we can't access our brain. Another story that we tell ourselves is, I just want to do nothing. I just want to relax. I just, you know, I want the easy life. <laughs> and my friend, I did this myself. I was working on some uncomfortable stuff this week and I'm like, oh, why do I do this to myself? All really crappy question. And I'm like, I just want to do nothing. Maybe this just isn't for me. Those are all defeatist thoughts because I know the result that I want. I know the outcome I want. It's just messy getting there. And the same thing in athletics, right? People want, you know, how cool is it to be, you know, Tom Brady or Michael Jordan and be these clutch players, but to do the messy stuff and the, the grind and the hard stuff that they do to get there, a lot of us don't want to do, right? For me as an athlete, a former athlete in a different century, you know, there were cold morning practices. I'm not a morning person, but I went to them because of the outcome that I wanted. So what is the result that you want? And is it really true that you want to do nothing? Or is it that the resistance is popping up because you're not sure what to do? You don't believe you're good enough. You're afraid of failing or losing face, right? You're not quite sure if you can do it. But my friend, it's learnable. It really is. So check in with the stories that you tell yourself. And when you check in with those stories, the other thing is notice do you then like start to dress rehearse tragedy? (laughs) 
It's like, well, I can't do it. And if I do it, I'm going to waste all this time and it's going to be horrible and I'm going to lose money and I'm going to get fired. (laughs) That is dress rehearsing tragedy. You just go down this downward spiral. So pay attention to that. Is that really true? Instead of dress rehearsing tragedy, and remember, we do that because our brain has a very, very, very important job. Our brain's job is to make sure it keeps us alive. We don't want to do something that is detrimental that we can't not come back from. So our brain's job is to keep us alive. That's why we have fear. That's why we have shame. It's there to protect us. Except we also have a way of heightening up the tragedy where there isn't going to be that bad of a scenario. Check in with yourself. The last time that you dress rehearsed tragedy and you thought this was going to happen and then afterwards you're like, oh, all those things I envisioned happening didn't happen, right? And I was okay. So pay attention to that. So instead of thinking about the worst possible outcomes, you want to know like, I mean, I think it's really important to mitigate risk. And that was probably the biggest takeaway from the last 10 months of COVID is learning that phrase or really being able to embrace that phrase of mitigate risk. What's the risk? And let's mitigate it. It's, you know, and Warren Buffett will say in investing, one of the most important things to do is understand risk, right? Risk is really important to know. It's also really important to not attach to it and to not focus on it because you don't want to head down that path. You want to pay attention to where it is. You want to know it and be aware and then pursue what your goal is. Okay. So dress rehearsing tragedy and thinking about the worst possible outcomes doesn't help you because then what happens is that when we start thinking about the worst possible outcomes, we're indulging in all the possible outcomes that are against you. It's like, oh, well then this can happen, right? I could lose money, lose my job, get fired, career is over, become homeless. And it's so interesting because my clients can go so fast to being homeless. I have a client who that's not going to be the case. Like if she doesn't do this job, it's not the case because of her safety net that she has created for herself, but she can go there so fast because she spends a lot of time dress rehearsing tragedy. Or maybe you're doing that with COVID. You're like, oh, if I do this, I'm going to get COVID and then I'm going to be a long hauler. And, and then, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to have a vet, right? Mitigate your risk, protect yourself. Don't pretend it's not out there. Pay attention to where it is and make decisions. So example of that is I live in California and we've been pretty cautious about it. And part of it is that we have leadership responsibilities as running youth teams and college teams and, you know, wanting to try to keep a safe environment for employees and staff. And then also a family member has health issues. So we were were being extra cautious. So, you know, I wear a mask when I go outside and we wash our hands when we come inside. And as the numbers have been rising last week, when I went to the grocery store, I thought about, and I said, you know, from now on, we're going to wear surgical masks. When we go to the grocery store, we've limited how often we go to reduce exposure. The next step now is to wear a mask because I want to make sure that I can be a bit safer. I don't need to dress rehearse it. I don't need to touch it. I don't need to walk in with fear and trauma. I need to go, okay, how can I mitigate the risk? Because this is not something I wanted to catch. Another thing that we do when we're dress rehearsing tragedy is we build a case as to why we shouldn't even try. And Oftentimes I'll say to my clients, like, you're trying to provide to me all these reasons, but I'm not a judge and I'm not a jury. What is it that you want? 
And is this case really true? So really check in with when you start to dress rehearse tragedy. Are you thinking about worst possible outcomes? Are you indulging in all these outcomes that are against you? And are you building a case so you don't even try? And here's something that's really important is that notice, like, are you a person that's waking up in the middle of the night and your brain is spinning? It may be harder in the middle of the night to get yourself calmer, right? Because it's dark and all of that. And if you don't know how to manage your mind, so know that, and then don't try to solve that problem then, especially when you're sleep deprived, right? What do you need to do to take care of yourself so that you can come back and solve that problem of, you know, stopping the dress rehearsing tragedy? Like you can stop it, but don't try to be like, oh, I'm going to get to this better place. I'm going to have this three point plan because it's dark. (laughs) Your brain is tired and it's overworking. So all of this leads to indulging and not creating the life or the event that you want. And it also takes a lot of time and energy, which is usually procrastination. So all of this stuff gets in the way and it compounds on this resistance that you have. So it's really important. I coach my clients on managing their mindset. We sell those mindset journals. And for those of you that are interested in learning how to manage your mindset, we have a course called the Grounded Confidence where you can learn how to actually do it. It seems so simple, but it's hard and there's resistance towards it. So I can help you with that. But our brains are storytelling beings. That's what we do. And every day our brains have 40,000 to 60,000 thoughts a day. That's a lot of noise up in there. It's not overcomplicated. They're not overcomplicated thoughts. And they're usually like our brain likes efficiency. (laughs) So it's like the thoughts that I told you just on repeat, right? I can't do it. It's overwhelming. I'm not good enough. I don't know where to start. I just want to do nothing. Raise your hand. Maybe you're walking right now as you're listening, but raise your hand if those are some of your stories in your head. You just repeat them. They're like our go-to. We just tell them when we hit resistance, when we hit an obstacle, and then we have this resistance that comes up, those are the stories that we go to. And we keep telling ourselves and we indulge in it. And the stories are on repeat. It reminds me back when I was a, like a 14, 15 year old mopey teenager. And whether it was the cure or there was another there, I think it was Yaz, I'd be sad or upset or something. And I would just play on repeat, especially when CDs came out, you can just press the repeat button. So you didn't have to rewind the tape. I would play on repeat that miserable song so I can indulge in my misery. That's what we do with our stories. Except now we don't need to have a, a CD you know, repeat button. We just do it in our brain over and over and over. And we believe it. It's true. It's like, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. It's not possible for me. But this is the place where inspiration and possibility meet, my friend, right? So it is possible for you. What's the next step? Instead of saying it's too overwhelming, right? What's the next step? I'm not good enough. So we have to pay attention to the stories that we tell ourselves. And one of the best ways to do that is to declutter the stories. And what I recommend that my clients do that you do is to get them on paper because then they're like out of our brain and you look at them. It's like decluttering a closet. It's like, wow, this is all that I have in here. This is too much, right? I can't believe I have this. Or you find something that you were looking for. Declutter. It doesn't take that long. Write down for like three to five minutes. So now you know what's in your way what's helping you create this resistance. 
These are your own thoughts and the stories about how hard it will be or how you can't do it, etc. And then once it's down on paper, think about what do you want to accomplish? What's the result that you want? And what's the one step that can move you forward? One step. So maybe you need to get recertified and, you know, it seems overwhelming. What's the one thing you can do? Maybe you open up the email to look at what are the things that you need to do to get this certification taken care of. I have to do all sorts for my profession, all sorts of recertifications and stuff. And it's always like, oh, do I, you know, and who, who wants to make time for it? And then I just go, okay, let me look at the email. What's the next step, right? What's the next step that I can do? one step at a time, whatever the situation may be, one step at a time. Maybe it's that you want to work out and have better health in 2021. What's the one step? Maybe it's to put on your headphones and go outside for a walk. Maybe it is getting a friend to go with you with masks and you can socially distance and walk and have connection. What's that one step? Okay. Now, here's the thing that's really important. Your brain is going to want to evaluate, is this the right way? Should I be doing it this way? Is that going to even be good enough? It's going to evaluate beforehand. That's not allowed, my friend. You're not allowed to evaluate until after you do the thing. So it could be the one step. So again, with an exercise, it's like, oh, I don't have time for this. I'm too busy. It's not going to make a difference. You don't evaluate before you go you know why you go, you want to move your body, you need to clear your brain, right? Whatever it may be, you go and you do that. And then you come back and that's when you evaluate. Did I move my body? How do I feel? How does my brain feel? Can I think better? Was that, you know, a good use of my time? So that's when you evaluate afterwards. But what you want to do is get in motion and take the step forward. And then the other thing that starts to happen is you start to create habits, having a friend where it's like, okay, on this date, I love to have recurring (laughs) appointments where I don't have to think about it. I don't have to make a decision. You and I are going to go on walks. Awesome. Let's put it in the calendar. And we're going to assume that we're going to be there unless otherwise notified. Done. We use less brain juice. There's less opportunity for me to have resistance. I just know like this is what's happening. And then I get up and go and it's nice to have somebody else there, right? So what are the things you can do, the habits and the rituals? But before you even get there, first get in motion and then you can build on those habits and rituals. Don't overcomplicate it. Routines are here to support your wanted behavior. It just makes it so much easier. So these become more advanced skills in overcoming resistance. And they're going to help you reduce decision fatigue of should you do it or shouldn't you do it? Then after you do it, you evaluate, right? And it's never a waste of time, my friend. It's never a waste of time because you're getting information. Maybe you get that result that you wanted and then you're like, oh, but this, I don't feel better. I climbed a tall ladder of a, apparently I don't even want to be a part of. I don't even like this ladder. Good to know. Had you not climbed it, you may never have known. And then instead you would have beat yourself up and see I wasn't good enough. And that's why I couldn't climb the ladder. Instead you climbed the ladder and said, oh, I don't want to be at the top of this building. There's a different building I want to be on. Good to know. None of it's wasted. It's all learning opportunities. So 
one of the things that I do in my job, whether a life or leadership coach or, you know, as the director for the Aqua Monsters, is I'm constantly dealing with resistance. There's all sorts of resistance, you know. We're not competitive people. We don't do swim meets or about kids going to practice. So I learned this a long time ago. I, I watch people's patterns and behaviors and I listen to people and I coach people and I help them get the results that they want. So years ago, probably 15 years ago or so, parents, you know, they would come to me and they'd be like, oh my gosh, this program's so amazing. My kid just loves swimming. This is amazing, amazing, amazing. And that's really great to fill one's ego because you're like, yeah, look at me. We do such great work, right? But I've also learned that they'll say that in the beginning because they'll be loving it, especially when it's summer and it's hundred degrees and it's something new and it's so fantastic. But that love affair (laughs) kind of waxes and wanes. And I will say that swimming is like being in a marriage. You may love the person and there are days that you can't stand them or there are days you're like, thank goodness you're traveling because I want a break. Not a break like a, a Rachel and Ross break from the friends, but like a break of that way we don't have to be in the same existence, right? So for those of you that are long time married, you'll understand this. But so swimming is like that. It's like a marriage. It's a long-term marriage. And there's the, I call it a blue collar sport, but you need white collar funds because it's the day in, day out, 50 week season, twice a day. It's just a hardworking, grinding sport. And again, so at first what seems like, oh, this is amazing. And after a while, eventually those kids who have these love affairs are like, oh, great. It's foggy outside and I've got to get into a pool that's 82 degrees and my body temperature is 90, was it 98 degrees? And that's going to be a bit of a shock to my system. And then my coach is going to make me work hard. (laughs) There's a lot of resistance. Like, can I get this workout done? So there's all this drama that happens, except the goal is I want to be faster. I want to travel and do swim meets. You know, I want to be with my friends. So there's these cool goals or I want to see what can I do? What can I achieve? Who do I evolve to as an athlete? That's much higher mindset or older skill set mindset, right? So going back to these, these young kids and these parents. So I've just learned over time, like, okay, they're going to rave about the program and how amazing it is and how it's the best sport ever. I know that this is the pattern. And then one day they're going to come to me and say, but Corinne, my my kid doesn't want to go to practice (laughs) because I've watched this and like, well, of course they don't want to come to practice. So let's see right now it's January in Davis. January is a foggy month. It's cold. We have COVID. So the kids don't have locker rooms and they don't have hot tubs anymore. They come in their swimsuit, leave their stuff on the ground, get into the pool, swim, get out of the pool, put a towel or a jacket around them and then go home and then take a shower. It's not very pleasant, right? There's a lot of resistance because like who wants to be cold and uncomfortable to go to practice? And so I would watch this pattern over and over where the kids were like, I don't want to go. And before COVID, you know, I would even notice with my kids when they're in elementary school, they would go to school, ride their bikes home. And I'd be like, come on, come on. We've got to go. We've got to go. Like how many of you has this happened in your house? You have that next thing you've got to get to and you can't be late. And so there's all the stress of them one thing from the next. And what, if you don't have kids, maybe it's one meeting to the next, right? It's got to go, got to go, got to go. And the kids are like, but I don't want to go. I just want to stand because they have been at school all day where somebody is telling them what to do right? Right now, all of our kids would be so excited to be back at school. But pre-COVID, the experience was telling them what to do. And they're like, I just want to sit on the couch. I don't want anyone to tell me what to do. And I just want to watch TV or be on a digital device or play a video game and not doing anything. 
and they really don't want to go to practice. And so what I learned from this whole experience was, you know, of course, kids aren't going to want to go to practice. That is not data that we want to hold on to right now. You want to bring them to practice, have them go through practice, and then evaluate after practice. You never evaluate before practice because they have all these stories. They don't want to go into the discomfort. They may think it's going to be too hard, that they're not capable of doing it, that you know they just want to sit on the couch and just rest, or they want to go play with a friend. But 90% of the time or more after practice, the kids are so happy they're smiling. They are proud of maybe what they've accomplished. They got to see a friend that they forgot was going to be there. They lack that perspective going in. And the problem for the parents were is the parents will get triggered in the, oh, if I make my kids go, I'm going to be a tiger mom, or I'm going to be difficult, or I'm just pushing my kid. And they get looped into their own stories. So it's like a double whammy of stories. You've got your kids' stories and then the parents' story. And so one of the things that I've taught my parents is you never evaluate on the drop-off, you evaluate on the pickup. So my friend, that is how you overcome resistance. You evaluate afterwards, you know, you mitigate the risk going in, right? And the parents have already done that by joining our team, being a part of the program, trusting our program, and even especially now with COVID and all our protocols. But so they have that, they have the routines, they know what time the practice is, they know what time they need to be there. And so there may be some resistance of, and I had a parent tell me this last week, oh, you know, they don't normally swim in January, but because of Zoom school and, you know, social disconnection, this has been a lifesaver for their family. And she said to me, she goes, yeah, it's still hard. Like they are still like, oh, they grumble about coming. But she said, but they're so much happier after they swim. And so because she's really understands this idea of you evaluate afterwards, not before you mitigate the risk. That's a difference, right? You mitigate the risk. What is the risk that could potentially happen? So the families have mitigated that risk with terms of COVID, you know, their kids know how to swim so they can be on the swim team, right? And they trust the program. So they know that now they made a decision. They have a habit, they have a routine, they have a structure, even with the structure of, you know, having all their gear, putting on their swim caps, because that's stuff we can't do anymore all of that. And they have that routine, or maybe one kid is swimming while another kid is doing their homework in the car and then rotating that and having the food. They have all those habits built up now, now that we've been, you know, swimming for the last seven months in COVID. And then they evaluate afterwards. And then you start to notice like, what's the indulging drama? And when is it? No, you know what? Today is a day that we are going to take a break and we're not going to show up but you have to have the data of the evaluation so that you can figure out what is the dress rehearsing tragedy, you know, the limiting belief stories and what is indeed a time for a break. So evaluate afterwards. We can all overcome our resistance. We need to have awareness. What are our thoughts? What are our stories? What is our tendency? Are we really good at dress rehearsing tragedy? There's nothing wrong about it. Don't have shame. I'm a fantastic dress rehearsing tragedy person. I'm really, really good. And it creates so much unnecessary suffering inside of me, right? I'm really, really good. And then I've also developed skills to get myself out of there, right? And I develop skills to create habits and rituals and routines to help support me to help create the result that I want. So know the result that you want and know why you want it 
and then evaluate after. And it may not be after you've done the whole project. It may be like after you do that first step, right? And continually evaluate because now you're getting into a different part of your brain versus that dress rehearsing tragedy. Remember, you aren't the only one who has resistance to doing what you want. The key is to not let your mindset, the stories that get in the way of creating the life you desire, know your resistance and commit to evaluating afterwards. What worked well? What can be improved? Was it as difficult as you had believed? That's a really great question. I think it's me way harder or I have to do it so much better than I did. Like sometimes my, the high standards I have get in the way and actually create a lot of resistance for me doing what it is that I want to do. And then also notice, was it easy? Like you're like, oh, it really wasn't hard. It was easy. And then that's going to open up a whole bunch of other stuff that we'll have to talk about in another podcast because we're like, wait, I'm a high achiever. Things should be hard. I'm really good at grinding it out. It can't be easy. (laughs) Just embrace it. (laughs) Not everything has to be hard, my friend. So now go out there and overcome your resistance and remember, evaluate afterwards. I'm smiling big for you. Hey there, before we go, I have a question for you. Have you subscribed to the show yet? This is an awesome opportunity for you to preserve your brain juice. I love the fact that I can subscribe to podcasts and television shows and they go straight to my iPhone or they go straight to my DVR and then I don't have to worry of, oh no, especially with television shows. Did I hit record? Is it going to be there? Or now do I have to watch it on demand and go through all the commercials? So go and hit the subscribe button. There's a link in the show notes and that will ensure you that you never miss a show and you can also save your brain juice for other things in your life. There's way more important things, but you and I will still be connected because the show will be waiting for you in your phone. Go to the link in the show notes, subscribe to the show so you can automatically get all the shows to your phone. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so. Sold-